The conference is now being recorded. Good morning and welcome to the JustEatTakeaway.com Quarter 2 2021 Trading Update. During this call, all participants are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. I would now like to hand the call over to Mr. Yitzke Groon, CEO and Chairman. Go ahead, please, sir. Thank you, Operator. Um, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Analyst and Investor Conference call to discuss the second quarter 2021 trading update for JustEtakeaway.com. On our corporate website, you can download our press release and the slides for this Analyst and Investor Conference call. In this brief presentation, I will be taking you through our order growth for the second quarter and the first half year of 2021, which is ahead of target despite the impact of COVID-19 lockdown relaxations in a number of our main markets. Our continued strong performance is underpinned by our efforts in the historically underinvested legacy Just Eat markets, which are clearly paying off, for instance, in the UK and Australia. We will briefly discuss our observations and high-level strategy for the United States, and we will also provide guidance on order growth, gross transaction value, and adjusted EBITDA margin as percentage of the GTV for the full year of 2021. I will end the presentation with some concluding remarks, after which we will open up the call for your questions. My fellow board members, Ben Wissink, Jörg Gerbig, and Matt Maloney are also here to answer your questions. The combination of JustEatTakeaway.com and GrabHub is one of the largest food delivery companies on this planet. Total orders for the first half of the year amounted to 547 million, implying a run rate of well over 1 billion orders for the full year. Half-year orders have increased by 51% year-on-year, or 61% excluding GrabHub, despite tough comps. Our total delivery orders more than doubled to 235 million compared to the first six months of 2020, driven by numerous restaurant additions and our price leadership strategy. The company has aligned its KPI definitions with industry practice, which has led to replacing gross merchandise value, GMV, with gross transaction value, GTV, in the financial information presented. GTV represents the total value of orders placed on our platform, including taxes, tips, and any applicable consumer fees, similar to the definition of most of our competitors. GTV amounted to 14.1 billion euro in the first half of 2021, up 50% on the constant currency basis compared to the same period of 2020. Given the success of our investment, uh, investment program, Expectations for 2021 have improved, and therefore we upgrade our previous guidance of more than 42% order growth for JustEatTakeaway.com, excluding GrabHub, to now more than 45% order growth for the full year. Lastly, management believes adjusted EBITDA losses have peaked in the first half, and that there are various catalysts for the company to turn trends back to profitability going forward, while retaining significant growth during the second half of the year. I will explain this in more detail later in this presentation. As mentioned, the Grubhub transaction was successfully completed in June. The combined business is one of the largest online food delivery marketplaces globally, active in 24 countries. It holds number one positions in several of the largest profit pools in the world, and many of our local businesses today are already highly profitable. We are partnering with over 580,000 restaurants globally and serving nearly 100 million active consumers as per the end of June. The penetration upside offers very significant growth opportunities. On slide four, you find the split of our orders and GTV for each of our segments. 
Order growth for the combined business was 51% for the first half of the year. JustEatTakeaway.com, excluding GrubUp, grew orders by 61%, while GrubUp accounted for 27% order growth in the first half of the year compared with the same period last year. GTV for the combined business grew more or less in line with orders, 50% on a constant currency basis, totaling 14.1 billion euro in the first months of 2021. Moving on to slide five. As the pandemic unfortunately is still ongoing, our efforts in the historically underinvested legacy Just Eat markets have continued to drive growth and allowed us to win online share. The UK continues to be the fastest growing segment and our main driver of growth. In the first half of 2021, we processed 135 million orders in the UK, up 76% compared to the same period last year. Delivery order growth in the UK was 733% in the first half of 2021 compared to the same period in 2020, making us the fastest growing delivery business in the country. In London, we observed a significant inflection with triple digit order growth in the first half of 2021 compared with the first six months of 2020. Where our online share was estimated at around 20% a year ago in London again, today it is estimated at 30% and growing fast. It is important to understand that we are just getting started in London and we can still make quite some improvements to the business. Clearly, our investment program in the legacy Just Eat markets is paying off. Now please follow me to slide six. As you know, we will hold an investor day in October when we intend to share more details around the strategy for the combined group. Nevertheless, I would like to use a few minutes today to update you on what we have seen in the past year and where our strategic focus will be. Wrap-up is one of the largest players in the US, although it does not hold the number one position in each and every region. We strongly believe that the US cannot be seen as one market, like for instance the UK or Germany, but that each metropolitan area has its own characteristics. We will therefore refocus the strategic efforts to the grab-up strongholds, whereby the focus will be to expand from that stronger base rather than target the whole country. In the second half of 2021, we further expect two catalysts to positively impact profitability. Firstly, the removal of significant fee caps and voluntary partner support that we have put in place during the pandemic. And secondly, the reopening of offices, which is traditionally a stronghold for this grab-up business. In the second half of the year, we will further focus on the transition of the seamless brand to GrubHub in line with the single brand strategy that we have successfully rolled out throughout Europe, which for example, contributed to our growth in Germany. This will allow us to optimize the marketing spend and benefits from the network effects around one single brand. In short, we are very excited about the positioning and possibilities of GrubHub and we will share more details with you in October. On slide seven, we like to guide you in terms of order growth, GTV, and adjust EBITDA as a percentage of GTV for 2021. Previously, we have guided 2021 order growth, excluding GrubHub, will be higher than the 42% we reported last year. We are pleased to upgrade this guidance to order growth for the full year of 2021 to at least 45%, again, excluding GrubHub. For the full year of 2021, GTV for the combination is expected to be in the range of 28 to 30 billion euros, which clearly established us as one of the largest food delivery companies in the world. 2021 is an investment year to restore and expand our market leadership, in particular in the legacy Just Eat markets. However, 
we believe that adjusted EBITDA losses peaked in the first half of 2021, and we therefore expect our adjusted EBITDA margin to improve going forward, driven by a few factors. Firstly, the removal of significant fee caps and voluntary partner support, both in the US and Canada. Secondly, by improved unit of uh, economics in our delivery network, and thirdly, increasing benefits from the investment program in the legacy Just Eat market. As a result, for the full year 2021, we expect Just Eat Takeaway.com, including GrubHub, to generate an adjusted EBITDA margin in a range of minus 1% to minus 1.5% of GDP. As stated previously, we will continue to invest in growth and prioritize market share over adjusted EBITDA. I will continue with the conclusion of this presentation on slide 8. We are excited to have combined with GrubHub to create one of the largest food delivery marketplaces globally. As communicated before, we intend to provide further strategic updates for the combined business during our investor day in October. Strong results of the first half have improved our expectations for the full year. Hence, we upgrade our previous guidance to order growth of more than 45% for the full year, excluding GrubHub. For the same period, GTV for the combined group is expected to be between 28 and 30 billion euros on a pro forma basis. Our efforts in the historically underinvested legacy Just Eat markets continue to drive growth. Specifically, we see continued online share gains in the UK, paired with a significant inflection in London, where we have gained around 10 percentage points in share in less than a year. As these observations strengthen our belief in our strategy, we will continue to invest heavily in our business to drive further growth and market share gain. However, we believe EBITDA losses have peaked in the first half of this year, as we see multiple catalysts for improved profitability. Hence, we, expected, uh, we expect adjusted EBITDA for the full year to be in the range of minus 1 to minus 1.5% of GTV, which includes a significant impact of TCAPs in the US and Canada. In short, the combination of JustEat, Takeaway.com, and GrubUp is in excellent shape. The first half of 2021 has delivered excellent growth, and I am convinced that we will continue that trajectory. With that operator, I would like to open the call for you. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we're starting the question and answer session now. If you have a question or remark, please press star one now on your telephone. Star one for your questions or remarks. May I remind everyone to limit yourself to three questions. If you have any remaining questions afterwards, you can press star one again to rejoin the queue. Thank you. So star one for your questions or remarks. Go ahead. Our first question is from Mr. Marcus of JP Morgan. Go ahead, sir, your line is open. Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, it's, it's Marcus. Um, you just have two questions. Um, the first one is um, obviously on your comments that EBITDA um, losses have peaked. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more? You, you obviously highlighted uh, the, the fee caps, obviously, and, and improvement in unit economics, but the third pillar, kind of like tech investments, marketing investments, is that also something that we should think conceptually going down? Um, and then the unit economics um, seems like improve a lot, yeah, because it looks like obviously you, you, your orders are still strong in the delivery operations. Um, so if you could help us understand kind of like the, the, yeah, the unit economics in your delivery business helping also on the EBITDA side next to tech and marketing investments. Hope, hope that question makes sense. Um, the second question is on, on the marketplace business. Um, clearly, what's very strong in, in Q1. Um, maybe you can comment um, a bit more to, to, to the slide uh, five, what the latest developments in, in just marketplace are. 
that would be helpful. Thank you. Thanks for the questions, uh, Marcus. Let, let, me, let me start with your second question around, around marketplace. I think it's important to understand that the come for marketplace is difficult in Q2 because of what happened last year with the pandemic. Uh, obviously, there was quite some, uh, quite some growth there because also most of the delivery restaurants closed down. They, they shut down. So therefore, actually, it's quite difficult to, uh, to, uh, to grow marketplace compared to last year. We do assume it's going to be different in Q3. So I think I, think I hope that covers your question around marketplace uh, growth. Um, also, if you look at, um, well, t take for example the UK, for instance, all the McDonald's stores were closed also for delivery. Um, so that means, and you can see that also in the marketplace, uh, uh, sorry, in the market share uh, development of, of, of last year, you'll be able to see actually that uh, the market share of our logistical competitors collapsed in, uh, in these months. So uh, I think that's important to, uh, to point out in relationship with the, with the marketplace growth of last year as opposed to this year. Then your first question around, uh, around EBITDA. We have told you previously that Q1 was trading in line with Q4. What happened after Q1 is that there were significant fee caps in Canada that we honestly did not expect because they are quite late in the pandemic, but, uh, but still they, uh, uh, they were introduced. Of course, um, we were also hoping that the pandemic would subside by the 1st of April. That was in our calculation. So actually most of our investments were targeting uh, the 1st of uh, April as a uh, date to reduce the investments. And actually, of course, the pandemic is still ongoing. So we kept the investment program going, but that, of course, also resulted in larger growth than anticipated, hence the upgrade in the, uh, in the guidance for the, uh, for the orders. Um, also in that quarter, of course, uh, is Euro 2020. So that's also an increase, of course, in the in the cost for the for the for the first half year. Now, if you look at the second uh, second half year, so we've a couple of things going. I'll, I'll give you the example for uh, uh, for our expansion of Scuba in in London. Now, now Scuba is a a labour model, as you know, as opposed to uh, to the other logistical network we have in the UK. It's very challenging to have two logistical networks in one city because your couriers cannot cross over uh, certain areas. You would have people, for instance, in zone one and two that can only work in zone one and two because that's where we have the specific labor model, but we would not have that outside of the area. We will see that we'll have the uh, labor model in the whole city of London. Um, actually, I mean everything within the ring road uh, towards the end of the year, and therefore we will have quite some efficiency gains in London, which is, is, is of course, the lion's share of our uh, efforts in, uh, in, uh, in the UK. So with a couple of benefits there, you'll see us increase some of the delivery fees that are now extremely low. Um, you know, we are sometimes five pounds below our competitors. Uh, there is a lot of room for us to increase the delivery fees. You will see us do that a little bit um, in, the next, uh, in the next half year. And there will be significant fee cap reductions. We already have, uh, have a couple of dates for the U.S. Um, so we kind of already know when the fee caps are going to fall away. In the, sec in the second half, so it's actually not so difficult for us to improve the EBITDA uh, in the in the remainder of the year. Okay, perfect. Uh, since since I have you, could you maybe elaborate a bit more on on marketplace in Q3? I, un I understand your your comments on on COPS and, and and Q2. It looks like, at least from what we're seeing, um, that QSRs generally might might um, be open again in Q3, Q3, Q4. 
sorry, QC, Q4, um, do, you, do you think that this is more relative to delivery or um, that, that the marketplace is improving? Or how shall we really think about it? If you can just elaborate a bit more why you think next to comms, um, Q3 should, should be better for marketplace. That's just because if you compare it with so, – so, so very simple. Let's say you have, you have um, you know, 30% uh, logistical orders in, in one year, but all the logistical restaurants close down then obviously all the orders go to marketplace restaurants. So a lot of the growth actually that we saw, for instance, in April last year is caused by that. So actually our growth last year was very high, and therefore the comp with last year for marketplace specifically is difficult. That will not be the case, of course, in the, uh, in the third quarter, because the, you remember last year actually when it was unclear how long the lockdown would, la would last, a lot of the QSRs chose to just close. And they closed for dining, but they also closed for delivery. And that, of course, you know, after a couple of weeks, everybody realized we were going to be in this situation for a lot longer. And the restaurants reopened, but only for delivery. And therefore, actually, in Q3, you don't, you no longer have that tough comp for marketplace. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I guess that, that math, and and clearly, we we all remember that that phase. But it also shows the relationship between. Delivery and marketplace. Yeah, um, that they, when if one is stronger, the other one suffers. It seems. Whereas the bull case seems to be that this is kind of like growing nicely next to each other. I understand the effects in Q2, but do you think um, this kind of like independence of marketplace, um, independent from delivery, still holds also in the second quarter? Because I guess the concern is that um, delivery orders over time might might cannibalize yeah, marketplace. That's basically the relationship. I want to, to find out. No, no, there's two, two things I need, I need to say about, uh, about this. I'm sorry, sorry about this, and then, then, I, then, I, then I leave. Um, no, so first of, first, first of all, um, you can also t uh, t turn it around. If all the marketplace restaurants would close, naturally all the orders would be with delivery restaurants. So this is, this is not a normal situation, obviously, that you lose so much of your offering because of a pandemic. Hopefully it's not a normal situation for uh, humanity that that happens too, uh, too often. So that's, that's, that's a rather unnatural thing to happen to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to our business. Then on top of it, we are assuming also for delivery orders to generate profits. We're not, we're not going to run this at a loss for eternity in the UK. A lot of our efforts are around taking market share, which is happening very significantly. The London example is there, but it happens in the whole of the UK. We're taking market share from our competitors. And we're doing this with a lot of aggressiveness, and that includes having much lower delivery fees than, than our competitors. Our competitors are loss-making. I think it's important to understand that. And they are loss-making even with delivery fees that are, you know, four or five pounds higher than our delivery fees. So there's a lot of room for us to improve, you know, whether that's the efficiency of the delivery network or the delivery fees in the UK. Um, so, so I think both, both uh, basically the assumption that there is uh, cannibalism on the marketplace is not right. We are growing marketplace orders significantly. It is just that, you know, last year the delivery network was almost empty because the QSRs actually were forced to close down. Okay. Uh, and if you would see cannibalization, you wouldn't see the um, reorder rates increasing by that much as we as we see in the market. No, like the, you're actually increasing the choice by adding either of the of the two marketplace or delivery restaurants and. Uh, 
that clearly have an impact in increasing order frequency. And uh, if, you're, if your point was right on cannibalization, you wouldn't see such an increase of frequency over time. And uh, um, so that's actually contrary to what we, we see. Yeah. No, perfect. Thanks, thanks both of you. Our next question is from Mr. Andrew Gwynn, Exane BMP, PartyBasel.com. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good morning, all. Uh, three quick questions, if I can. So firstly, could you just give us an idea of the first half loss uh, on EBITDA, just so we can get a better understanding of the sequential change? Second one, market conditions, maybe just on the key markets, the UK, Germany, and then also the US. And then the third one would be, I guess the implication for sort of shrinking to greatness in the U.S. is we could well see a drop in GTV in the market. Maybe not this year, but perhaps next year. Is that something we should have in our minds? Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I'll take your last question. The first question would go to uh, Brent, and the second question, I guess, to uh, to Jörg, and then maybe Matt can comment on the uh, on, on, on the on the U.S. Um, first, you should not see our efforts in the U.S. as, I think you mentioned, uh, shrinking to greatness. Um, we will continue the efforts that GrubUp is currently making in the U.S., but will add an effort in the areas in which we are really strong. Um, and that's very uh, similar to our strategy in Europe, because as you would understand, most of our investments in Europe go to the U.K. That, you know, that's, hardly, that's hardly an area in which we are weak. We're very strong in the U.K., um, I also sometimes make the comparison, if our UK business would be in the US, it would be far bigger than anything that's in the US. And I think it's important for especially American investors to understand how big the business is. Um, so the investments there actually are to improve the businesses that we have, and we'll do the same thing in the, in the, in the US. There's a lot of growth available around cities like New York and Chicago, et cetera. And it's, of course, much easier to grow out of strength than, you know, we, we've been... Um, you know, as you know, I, I started I started this business in Holland, um, and we know very well that if you then cross over into Germany with uh, a lower marketing budget, with no brand awareness, um, and in a much bigger country, you're not going to get anywhere, right? So it's very important to understand that uh, already quite early on, it was quite clear to us where we needed to invest and how we would create, let's say, that moat or that fortress that I sometimes also also call it, it's much easier to work from very strong positions and then create it. But it doesn't mean we're not going to be in, say, Ohio or Arizona. It's just that our focus will not be there. It will be elsewhere. Um, so for the first question, Brent, if you could, uh, if you could answer that. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, uh, well, this training update provides you insight in how we, how we are, are are doing right now and certainly because to give you some guidance what the full year uh, will be as we said uh, uh, we believe uh, that the full year uh, uh, loss will be 1 to 1.5% uh, of, of GTV uh, peak, uh, losses uh, uh, have peaked uh, and will improve uh, and we will uh, uh, see improved results uh, in the second half. Uh, first half was uh, certainly impacted by uh, by the fee caps and the voluntary uh, relief that we provided to the restaurants. So, uh, but in uh, in a month uh, we will provide you with all the financial details per segment, and then uh, we will will give you full disclosure of uh, of the results. 
Thanks, Brent. Uh, with regards to market conditions, um, I start on, on the UK and, and Germany. So, UK, as you know, used to be more or less a drag on, on the just eat order growth. Um, we started our investment program after the merger, investing into network effects, basically sales, uh, doubling the sales force in the UK, or more than doubling by now the sales force in the UK, um, also with a specific focus on, on chain acquisitions marketing, logistics, price leadership, and we saw very very much great results and signif uh, most recently also significant market share gains. So as mentioned, London, for example, we are up uh, by more or less 10% market share gain uh, with triple-digit growth rates in, in the London area. Uh, logistics in the UK overall is up on a year-over-year by more than 700%, and um, that's actually more by far more, multiple times faster than, than the pure logistics player in, in the UK. Our restaurant offering has also significantly expanded. Obviously, you've known about McDonald's and Greg's. McDonald's now, we're about to cross a thousand sites in the UK and Ireland. We've actually um, started to roll out Starbucks in Gen with now 450 sites live. Costa Coffee uh, in March started the rollout already over 500 sites live. And most recently, we're also like trialing Pizza Express, for example, which is also very strong in London and was a, a former exclusive to one of our competitors. So we're seeing very good progress on that end. So overall, very, very strong signs. And uh, to my initial comment that it used to be more or less a drag on the overall growth rate of Lexi Just Eat, it's actually the growth driver now. If you look at our segments, the UK orders in the second quarter grew fastest of all the segments, 61%. So it's actually uh, not only absolutely speaking, but even relatively speaking, the fastest growing segment we have. So that comes despite opening of the market. I mean, as you, as you know, United Kingdom has already opened up the restaurants and will open up even more, but we're still seeing very strong trading and are very, very happy with the results of our investment uh, program in the UK. With regards to Germany, likewise, uh, first, uh, second quarter growth was 50%, seeing very strong trading in the German market. And, and just as a reminder, I mean, um, we are heavily still investing in, in the German market, um, which results to these strong growth rates. And we're actually driving the market, actually in terms of relative order growth, even faster than uh, the market was developing when there were still multiple players in the market. So we seem to do a very good job at this uh, because we're actually able to grow the market faster than when we had still uh, massive competition a couple of years ago. And even pre-COVID, that was already the case. We're also strongly expanding logistics. As mentioned, by the end of the year, we'll be in 80 cities in Germany and uh, doing very well also on the logistics front. Uh, fulfillment times improving, efficiency uh, going very well. So overall, we're very happy in these two key markets. And with that, uh, we'd love to hand over to Matt to, to give you some insights on the U.S. Yes, thanks, Hugh. Uh, thanks, Jerg. Um Absolutely would not expect a drop in GTV over time in the U.S., uh, in fact, I would expect further growth and market share gains. I think just a comment on the, the Q1 versus Q2 numbers, which you can see from um, previously disclosed uh, 
as a separate company from Grubb and now obviously combined. Uh, the second quarter was much more difficult in terms of COVID uh, comps. Many of the U.S. metropolitan areas, specifically New York City, where we're a, a strong market leader, are still coming back online. Um, we are in the U.S. investing significantly in growth, uh, focusing on our market leadership positions. I guess it was outlining this has worked really well in the Justy Takeaway UK markets. Uh, we're prepared to invest more behind that strength. We think there's a lot of room to grow, both in terms of new diners and in terms of higher frequency. If you look at um, the diners in more mature markets across the world, they're uh, generally ordering much more uh, often than you're seeing in most of the U.S. markets. The way we look at the world uh, is in terms of supply, service, and consumer pricing. Um, we're still matching supply in, in some of the metros, but obviously we've exceeded supply and the ones we're, leaders, we're leading. In terms of service and logistics, we're as good or better than competition. In terms of pricing, we're as good or better than competition. Uh, in fact, recently rolling out a guarantee uh, of that low, uh, uh, that low price guarantee. So um, we're already investing significantly and with the fee caps that were outlined uh, in this information rolling off this year, uh, we're looking to increase that spending. And in fact, the fee caps are disproportionately impacting our business uh, because the most aggressive fee caps are in some of our leadership markets. So I think we have a lot more room to invest and we're confident that our strategy will increase our, our leadership in these markets where we've historically led. Um, we've been executing in 2021 at nearly break even while posting market share gains according to uh, multiple third-party data sources. I would say that uh, different from the UK case, uh, we do not believe that continued market share gains will require material investment uh, from the European profit pools. So while we're still one month in, we're working hard to align our global strategies and learn the best practices that have been put in place in some of these uh, legacy Just Eat markets, and there will definitely be more on our U.S. strategy in October. Thank you. Thank you for that. Very much appreciated. Um, just on the competitive backdrop, I mean, that was sort of really the, the crux of the question. Is there a significant change out there? But is, say, Uber Eats getting more aggressive or no real change? Um, that's just a very quick answer. Apologies for taking such a long time. Is that referring to a specific market or just to all markets? Um, all markets, really. Just a very big picture comment. So, yeah. so, so I mean, in, in the uh, UK, we currently uh, don't necessarily see an increase in aggressiveness uh, from competitors. I mean, you have to you have to see that uh, yeah, uh, when we showed some sort of data uh, uh, already, there was quite some vouchering going on at levels of 30 40%. Uh, it, it's very much hard to increase that further. Uh, from the pricing side, we also don't see any increased uh, competitiveness. On the contrary, actually, we see competitors increasing pricing and also with comments around uh, uh, trying to get less loss-making uh, with competitors. We can't foresee that this is uh, changing. So uh, overall, um, we, we feel very confident. I mean, we have a super strong position in the UK, especially. Now I'm, I'm a bit targeting that answer to the UK. Um, we're actually generating quite some, some profits uh, uh, in, in, in certain areas of that business, which we are deploying right now. But we're actually able to, to target that uh, investment and actually uh, reduce or increase that investment as we seem necessary. I mean, we will do anything to to 
keep our market position, our leading market position, or even expand it. And uh, uh, for, for competitors, this is actually quite a difficult situation to react. If you are not market leader, you obviously have way less um, profits to deploy, if you have any at all. And uh, with our price leadership, we can withhold that, uh, maintain that price leadership strategy as long as we want. Um, so it's very tough for competitors to actually react. And that holds true for most of our markets because, as you know, 90% or more than 90% of our GMB comes from leadership positions where we do have a hybrid model with quite some underlying profits to deploy, and therefore um, we are actually the ones who can dictate the aggressiveness in the market and who can react if the competitors become more aggressive, but currently we don't see that. I think what's also important to note that here is that in, in the data that we are providing to you uh, with our competitors, there are, there are the significant vouchers, which we don't really believe are actual orders, but they, they are generated orders because you're handing out free food. Um, there are white-label orders. Now, white-label orders have no network effects, right? It doesn't really contribute to your network because nobody sees your network. And people, people order with a different website of a restaurant rather than with your... Um, marketplace and you know this whole business is about network effects and of course it includes grocery uh, we've already said that we are preparing launch of grocery across our businesses um, and that will make it even more difficult for for for, for the competition and, and don't forget that that this is also almost a perfect storm because now the vouchering applies to grocery shopping so all of a sudden people use the vouchers not per se on food delivery, so it's not competing with us, it's competing with grocery shopping, which is essentially free grocery. And who wouldn't like free grocery delivery to, to themselves? So that's all included in the, in the figures, still we're, we're gaining market share. I, th I think it's important to understand that also in the, un in the underlying businesses of our competitors, there is an issue. Um, and therefore, we are very confident that you know, we will continue to, uh, to gain share in most of our markets. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I think I think for us uh, indeed also as as Jörg as Jörg said, we can keep this up for a very long time. And this is also of course if you look at our success in Germany, you know it took it took us a long time to gain market leadership in uh, in in in, uh, in Germany. But when we took it, it also became extremely profitable. And in the UK, we don't even have that issue. We are comfortable market leaders. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for very comprehensive answers. Thanks. Our next question is from Mr. Sridhar Mahamkali from UBS. Go ahead, sir. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, everybody. Thanks for taking my questions. Actually, if I could just follow up on um, Andrew's question, uh, uh, please, I'll, I'll have another go and see if I can get something. Um, it, it, I think you, you talked about EBITDA trending back to profitability going forward. Um, I just wonder if that means you'll be approaching break-even in the second half, or actually you're thinking it could be a profitable second half. Uh, that'll be helpful. Uh, um, and secondly, then, is it fair to assume the large part of the sort of 200 million euros you've talked about, um, impact from fee caps and such, is that largely in the first half, perhaps spilling over another month into the second half? Uh, if you could clarify that, that would be great. And finally, again, still sticking with the guidance. Um, does the guidance include any investments into GRUB, uh, perhaps beyond these uh, take rate caps, I guess? Uh, uh, those three, please. Thank you. 
Okay, thanks. So to your last question, yes, they do include the investments in growth. So therefore, the total uh, total company. Regarding profitability, we, we have said that losses have peaked. Uh, we can't comment on that further. Obviously, we have our results uh, for the half year, the full financial results uh, in a couple of weeks. So you will be able to get that data. And, and we, as you know, we disclose per segment. So you will also be able to see where we made most of the, uh, the um, investments. Um, regarding your fee cap question and the voluntary support, yes, most of that is in H1. Okay, thank you. Our next question is from Mr. Giles Torn of Jeffries. Go ahead, sir. Your line is open. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. Thank you. Um, my first question is um, it's a very high-level question, and it's picking up on some of the events here today, be it Delivery Hero into Germany or DoorDash into Japan or, or, or several others, which essentially, to my reading, tear up a lot of the established rule books around how you allocate capital in this in this sector and, and how you compete, uh, and in turn trigger a change in strategy or or just a different perspective on how you execute. Um, I'm pretty sure yet to what you're going to say in response, but it'd be interesting to hear your take on on whether the landscape has changed uh, or not. The second, uh, picking up on um, grocery, the the comment you made a moment ago about making life a bit more difficult for your competitors in grocery, it'd be interesting to know uh, just a bit more colour on exactly what you plan to do this year and uh, any colour on investments that you'll make into technology or product or, or sales uh, would also be useful cut. And then finally, a question from Matt on the US, um, pretty closed question, but uh, we've seen the first permanent fee cap come through in, in, in San Francisco, and I appreciate it's a continent-sized country with, with many flavors and colors of politics along the spectrum, but it'd be interesting to know, is this a lead indicator for what can happen in other cities, or is this just a you know, a San Francisco thing. Thank you. Thank you. So obviously, last question for for, for Matt. Um, your first question around whether I think I think if I summarise it correctly, whether the rules of engagement or the or the or the the, the way that uh, you know the, the competitiveness in the sector works has changed. And the answer yeah. is actually the answer is actually no. Um, Network effects are network effects, and the only reason that you would lose customers or lose orders is if you do not have certain supply. Uh, so within food delivery, it's probably better than not to have McDonald's, probably better than not to have salad bars, uh, etc. But as long as you provide that, uh, your customers are not going to go anywhere. And um, I think what people miss um, is that there are no examples of numbers two, three, and fours that would ever make any money in any market, right? And, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's marketplace or delivery. People think that we make a distinction between the two. That's not that's not accurate. We, we run the largest food delivery company in Canada. It is fully logistic, and it is highly profitable. So why is it highly profitable? Well, because we are the number one. Actually, the business model in the U.S. and Canada works pretty well, you know, the delivery uh, business model. So, if you look at um, people trying to do adjacent stuff, 
yeah, you know, we're monitoring, of of course, what uh, what these guys in Berlin are. Actually, I am currently in Berlin. <laughs> what 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 these uh, competitors are trying to do, but you know, it's essentially if you if you if you simplify it, as, as you as you understand, we have we've been in competition in Germany for I think we started in 2007, so you know, let's say let's say 14 years, give give or take. And we were at some point in competition with uh, three brands of uh, Delivery Hero, namely Pizza.de, uh, Lieferheld, and Foodora. Foodora was the logistics, uh, and also, by the way, there was Deliveroo, also, again, logistics. Now, at the peak of their investments, and we're talking crazy amounts of money, uh, these sort of companies, whether it's Deliveroo or, or Foodora, they were losing about seven euros an order, and they had... 200,000, I don't think, think Deliveroo got there, but 200,000 orders monthly, give or take. We have 15 million, right? I mean, I, I just want to put it in, in perspective. Um, uh, and we also run now a logistical network that's about 10% of the 15 million. So also, in, if you look at logistics, it's a very large logistical business that we, that we are running. Um, if I now analyze the competition, they are very much focused on logistics and they are providing a logistical service that is inferior to our logistical business. You know, they have less restaurants, the efficiency is lower, the, the delivery fees are higher. So it's, it's and, and the coverage, of course, is not the whole country. The coverage is Berlin and maybe a couple of couple of cities in, in, in some in some cases. The, the addition of grocery to it, and especially the flash grocery, yeah, I mean, there are now in Berlin, I think six or seven companies that are well invested in the flash grocery delivery space. Um, well, you know, good luck competing with those guys if you want to compete with, with that. Um, best case scenario, maybe you win. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not it's not very much related also to what we would like to do in grocery, namely offer just regular, you know, grocery chains. It's a different, different segment. Um, so, no, I don't believe that the rules of engagement changed. I think it's still the same. Uh, it's in the end about network effects and, and protecting protecting your business. And we have always protected our business. And then specifically now I have everybody on the line. Anyhow, regarding um, delivery in Germany, it is a low percentage because there are no there are not too many QSRs of any strength in in, in Germany. We do not constrain the delivery network. It is the same open network we have in the UK. It's the same open network we have in Canada. We don't force people to use marketplace. We don't force people to use delivery. It's the same thing. It's a natural artifact of the of the uh, of the German market. Um, then, regarding your uh, grocery question, I already alluded to yeah. it. Um, we are working on collaborating with supermarket uh, chains, and we're going to be an open network. If a supermarket chain wants to use our vast logistical network across uh, our global businesses, they can. Um, we'll do that more or less gross profit neutral, and it will just be an add-on to our logistical network. Now, it's important to understand that we are large. So if we add a large grocery chain in the market, we're going to add millions of um, you're going to be awfully excited because you're going to see further growth uh, as a result of uh, of um, of, uh, of that. But we should it, it is an easy add-on for us because we have large logistical networks in each of our uh, country and we are available in 
all the large cities in our entire network, right? So it's 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 something that's not so complicated. Regarding the investments for sales, we've usually ramped up our sales force. So uh, you can especially see that in London, we're signing up tremendous amounts of restaurants in London, in the UK, uh, in Australia, but also in Germany, also in 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 in. in in Holland, we have very large uh, sales force. We have very high marketing budgets. Our marketing budget in Germany alone is about 100 million euros on, the, on an annual basis. That that is far more than the investments our new competitors are making into Germany. So just to put everything in perspective again, uh, and we have a very large tech department. I sometimes see people talk about a tech department. They don't realize we have about 2,000 people in tech. Uh, so we have a lot of people focused on uh, on improving our. Uh, our tech platforms now, of course, it, after uh, after a merger, you need to uh, you need to work on aligning systems. That is a lot of effort. That is a lot of work. But don't forget that we did a lot of these things uh, in Germany. Uh, you will remember that the three platforms of Delivery Hero were integrated in one month. So we have a lot of experience in in these things. Um, still, you know, uh, large businesses require a, a prudent approach to uh, to integration. So. Maybe, Matt, if you could comment on the U.S. fee caps. Sure. And just to reiterate, I think there's a lot of um, new competitors that are looking to expand their boundaries and, and talk about how they're, they are tearing up the rule books uh, and everyone needs to change, and I think that's all bogus. Um, I think what we said earlier was, or what I said was, it's about supply, it's restaurant supply, delivery service and consumer pricing. That's all it's about. That's the only things that matter. Um, to everything else is smoke and mirrors. Um, but it's had a great a great answer to that. In in the US, this is absolutely San Francisco being San Francisco. So if you follow the history of San Francisco, um, you recognize they are on the uh the fringe of uh, aggressive uh, new rulemaking and which is generally uh litigated uh back. Um so I think that uh, our business, like Yitza just said, we don't force anyone to use delivery. Uh, we're fundamentally a marketplace business where we charge for advertising. And um, if San Francisco were to uh, limit the fee uh, commissions able to be charged by Facebook or by Google on, on any business advertising, it would be an egregious overstep of their uh, authority. And I think you're seeing a very similar situation play out in food delivery right now uh, because most of our restaurants in San Francisco deliver for themselves. They're simply paying us lead generation fees to get new customers. Um, so I think you will see a response by the industry. And in fact, there's a lot of conversations. Um, and we have made no commitments uh, to participate, but there's a lot of activity uh, in response to the re recent permit fee cap. But you're not going to see, uh, I would predict you do not see another uh, permanent fee cap be voted on until uh, the San Francisco situation gets resolved in court. Understood. Thank you very much. Our next question is from Ms. Miriam Adisa of Morgan Stanley. Go ahead, please. Great. Morning, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. Just firstly, just to follow up on grocery, could you just confirm then that you are planning to roll that out in your other markets by the end of the year? And perhaps if you could give any color on what you're expecting in terms of sort of the contribution to, to orders or GTV from grocery. 
And then secondly, just on the U.S. business, Matt, if you could give us some color on the performance in New York relative to other markets and also the B2B business, is that starting to recover? And then thirdly, if you could just give a bit of color on the rest of world performance, uh, specifically Australia, and also if you could talk a bit about the, the trials of scuba that are happening there as well. Thank you. Thank you. I, I will refer question one and three to Jörg, and then, of course, uh, the U.S. questions from that. Sure. Uh, on the grocery side, uh, the timing is obviously uh, very much related to whether we sign up uh, some of those big partners. Um, as Yitzhi was mentioning, our strategy is to go with large retail partners. And, yeah, I cannot really comment on the timing of this, but uh, that obviously also has an influence on the contribution of that service to um, our overall business. But if you look at the coverage of uh, some of these potential retail partners, you're looking at hundreds of, of stores or even in some cases uh, more than 1,000, 2,000 stores in a certain country. So contribution could be sizable if you compare that to currently, for example, a McDonald's. But obviously McDonald's has quite some orders per store. But if you compare that to 1,000 stores of McDonald's in the UK, uh, you can already um, estimate that the contribution can be sizable. And uh, some of our competitors uh, have already more than 10% contribution from grocery. So uh, I guess, guess that's some, some sort of a benchmark you can look at in terms of uh, the size. But uh, like I said, it's very much dependent on the timing of signing a contract. And um, we can't give you an exact timing of that rollout, therefore. Um, rest of work performance. Um, now, overall, we're also happy with with that performance, uh, top line is, is doing very well. Um, but there was also quite strong comps in some of these markets, um, so so that also impacted that. Uh, rest of the world is obviously quite a quite a mixed bag. You have all sort of jurisdictions in there, um, but overall we see, um, especially in, in Australia, continued market share gains um, from data we see from similar web and Google Trends. We uh, have basically regained number one position, so very happy with the continuous market share gains in uh, particular that market because we're specifically asking for Australia. I can speak to New York. I mean, the the city itself is coming back, um, but it's coming back slower than other major uh, metropolitan areas in the U.S. You have to remember that New York City is a, is a metro area. 22 million people. It's roughly, you know, GDP size of Canada or, or you know, Brazil. It's a very large uh, market. Um, what what work ends up looking like in New York City is is yet to be seen. I'd say that the B2B business is recovering slower than our consumer business um, for sure. There are many offices that are just not open yet. And so the what what you know we think of as the seamless um, B2B product is is just not. Uh, coming back yet. That's a, a very highly profitable, uh, very strong product. Um, you're also seeing in the consumer space, there are significant employment issues for restaurants uh, across the country, but especially in Manhattan. And with the majority of our restaurants uh, being self-delivery, uh, they're having a hard time um, not only getting customers to come back in, but also to, to actually be operable. Um, so I'd say in, in general, New York's uh, coming back, but definitely slower than others, which, which would impact all competitors, but us, you know, more so because we have such a strong leadership 
uh, position in New York City. But we are feeling extremely confident uh, in our ability to expand our leadership in New York, um, not only in Manhattan, but all the boroughs and the surrounding areas, because that is a significant focus, as we've reiterated uh, multiple times on this call. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Our next question is from Mr. Mark Hesselink of ING. Go ahead, please, sir. Yes, thank you. Um, first question, I would like to understand a bit better the moving parts on the on the EBDA. Uh, so earlier, excluding Grub, you had a 60 million EBDA for the uh, for the full year. Then obviously we now have the, the fee caps, um, and we are going to have the extra investments in um, in, uh, in in the Grub business. Can you explain the, the moving parts? Is the, the underlying 60 million uh, X VCAP, X group still the same? And then the rest, the VCAPs and the extra investments comes on top? Or is there other parts moving in there? Yeah, let, me, let me try to walk you, uh, walk you through this. Uh, so Q1 was in line with Q4. Then Q2, we saw significant Canadian VCAPs in the, let's say, legacy jet business of, of tens of millions, huh? I mean, very significant. Um, we were supposed, well, we, we, we assumed that the pandemic would end at the 1st of April, so we had all our um, investment program basically basically declining after the 1st of April because of the, of the uh, so-called end of the pandemic that, of course, hasn't happened yet, so we decided to continue the investment, uh, investment program. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of Q2, there uh, was Euro 2020, which, of course, also is, has been very costly, very successful for our business uh, in terms of exposure and brand awareness and, and all of that. So we expect quite some benefits from that sponsorship. Um, but that, so that's the difference with, with, with Q1. And on top of it, if you then also look at the Grubhub business, the lion's share of the fee caps in the U.S. is in H1. Um, because we also now already see that in most of the cities we have an end date for the for the for the fee caps. If you look at H2, uh, we have that end date. Uh, don't believe we have an end date for the Canadian fee caps yet, but we do have it for most of the of the uh, U.S. businesses. But, but we all we all see, of course, that things are getting relatively back to uh, back to normal, and the fee caps are mostly connected to states of emergency or uh, restaurant occupancy being over 100%, that, that, that sort of uh, measure from, uh, from the local government. TCAPs have a big impact, but also our investment program has a big impact. And, and to remind you what the investment program actually is, it is you know, sc scaling up sales, it is reducing delivery fee to some, you know, in, in, in some cases, four or five pounds difference in, uh, in delivery fee between us and the competitors. And of course, the competitors are loss-making, so uh, we assume that their delivery fees are going to go up. So there's quite some some room for us to increase those delivery fees in uh, uh, in, in, in many of the uh, of the legacy just eat uh, just eat countries. And also, those networks are sometimes not efficient, right? So uh, if if we introduce a labor model in a certain market, it, it it is going to replace a model that was already there. And if you don't replace the whole city at once, then you have inefficiency. So we see quite some efficiencies coming in. And don't forget that the 700% growth uh, in the UK is very difficult to keep up. You know, we have to hire quite some some people to uh, to uh, 
to facilitate the growth. So obviously that can be you know far more efficient if uh, if uh, if uh, you uh, you are bigger. But uh, yeah, everybody understands for a ramp up of 700 percent, you have to have quite some apparatus uh, to uh, to uh, to deal with that. So it is not so complicated for us to improve the EBITDA. Uh, I think that's uh, in a nutshell. Um, where we're going, and of course, again, in August, we'll supply you with more details around the EBITDA for the first half. Okay, just to be 100% clear, so the, the 60 million is, is a bit higher, but that's also uh, reflected in the higher growth for the non grub business. 60, are you referring to? Yeah, you, you always had this like a 60 million loss for the full year, excluding grub. Yeah, so, so Mark, I think uh, um, at the time we said that we, uh, uh, based on the question, you know, what do you think is an, is an annual run rate for 2021, we said take the Q4 uh, run rate, which was uh, something like uh, 20, 25 million uh, uh, negative EBITDA. So I think you, you are multiplying 15 instead, so th there, there's a big, uh, big, big difference already. Um, and then um, I think the answer remains similar on the uh, on the additional information that we will disclose during the half year results in a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Okay, okay, clear. Then this second question is on the, on the U.S. Um, the uh, delivery proportion uh, was actually quite a lot higher than than I had. Eh? So two thirds of the business. I was actually expecting more would be marketplace. Is is that? Temporary, yeah. Is that because of COVID that you now had more delivery because those businesses were were holding up better, and eventually the majority of your business will be will be marketplace again. Um, and also taking into account that you, uh, if you push the extra investment in in the other markets, and just need you, your extra investments were by expanding the the delivery option. But yeah, this is already at a quite a high number. So, uh, how do you think about that? First of all, our focus is not necessarily in expanding uh, the delivery option. Our, our focus is, is, is on improving the, the large markets of Grubhub. And that can be in logistics, but don't forget that, of course, in the U.S., the uh, unit economics for logistics are much better than in Europe. Uh, ticket sizes are higher, labor costs are lower, willingness to pay is, 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 is much, much more there. So actually, logistics or marketplace in the U.S., doesn't make too much of a difference whether you know what what modality you uh, uh, you 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 choose there. Um, if you look at uh, specifically uh, Grub, Grub has been disadvantaged in the pandemic because of the large uh, business in uh, both in cities like 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 New York, where you know a lot of people left the city. Businesses closed, of course, a lot of the business. Uh, is a B2B business in uh, in uh, uh, in New York as well. So in that sense, they were, they were disadvantaged compared to uh, to other players. And the growth also for Grub was also in the logistical network outside of those of those cities. So yes, you will see you know more marketplaces go back as things normalize in the U.S. as well. Yeah. So so that 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 two third being uh, uh, being logistic that that's. That's now. That's not the historic uh, marketplace. I mean, that that was probably a lot higher, right? Uh, yes, it was a lot higher. But don't, but don't forget that Grub gained quite some size in the pandemic, right? I mean, it's it still grew quite significantly. A lot of that growth was actually logistics. Okay. Thank you.
Our next question is from Mr. Andrew Porteous of HSBC. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hi, hi team. Um, I guess the first one from, from my perspective was more on, on the UK business. I mean, it's, it's clear from the charts that you've shown in, in the presentation that your market share gain seems to be coming at the uh, expense of the, the competitor in green. Uh, and just sort of wondering where we are on, on sort of the overall proposition in the UK and, and you know, how we get to those next, next market share gains. You know, where are we on, you know, restaurant choice, customer experience, um, sort of the, the overall overall app. Perhaps give us some colour on, on where we are and perhaps what your ambitions are, are there in the future. Uh, and then secondly, really just trying to get uh, under how, you, how you're sort of thinking about the, the guidance and, and perhaps the link between GTV and EBITDA margin guidance. Um, you know, if, if you get towards the upper end of your, your GTV targets at, at sort of the 30 billion level, should we be thinking you maybe get towards the lower end of, of the EBITDA margins, i.e. the minus 1% rather than the 1.5, or is that link not there? I'm just trying to sort of conceptually understand how you're thinking about it. Uh, that link is not necessarily there. <laughs> but but, but it, it depends a little bit on what, what the uh, – same thing uh, with, with what we said about the 1st of April, right? There's a big difference whether a pandemic ends on the 1st of April or the 1st of August. Um, that, of course uh, – you know, if you have an investment program or not, that, that makes a big difference. But it's not necessarily related. So that's the answer to, uh, to your first question. I will give you a little bit of an answer for the first as well. Um, and then maybe Jörg wants to say something about it as well. Actually, our growth in the UK is at the expense of new customers, so people that have not ever placed an order, but also at the expense of both the competitors. And again, you need to take into um, – consideration the uh, makeup of the orders of our competitors. There's a lot of vouchering. There are white label orders and there are grocery orders in there. You know, I don't care what exactly the percentage of, of that is, but if you compare the websites of our competitors or the apps of our competitors with our apps, you need to, if you want to make a size comparison, really take that into consideration because that, that means actually Yes, you can, you know, add, let's say, uh, 20% of your business and it's going to be groceries, but that means you did not add uh, food delivery. And it might even mean that you've lost orders. And this is why, actually, we do believe that us adding groceries is going to also, again, make a significant growth impact in, uh, in, in the UK because it's not going to be at the expense of, uh, of our food delivery network, obviously. So... Uh, it actually uh, comes at the expense of both the competitors. Um, now, it is clearer towards the number two in the uh, in the in the UK. Um, but again, you are looking at 100% of the business of uh, that competitor, and it includes more things than just food delivery and more things than just actual orders. Yeah, and and with regards to even some some more color in into the UK, uh, we continue to sign thousands of restaurants in in Q2. More specifically, with regards to the supply in in London, um, we are uh, now at at more than 13,000 uh, restaurants in in the London area, and um, there is still a, a gap of about um, 6,000 uh, restaurants. But if we analyze these these restaurants uh, and the gap. Actually, a lot of it can be explained by uh, grocery convenience and actually even more so by, by multiple kitchens. So you have some instances even where we actually list a restaurant as one versus competitor who has 
actually up to 23 entries for one restaurant. So like, if you consider that um, of, of that gap, 40% actually is covered by those two categories. So like the gap actually has become very small. Um, so we're continuing to close that gap and we feel very confident, uh, like originally indicated, to close that gap within uh, the 12 month timeframe, which we indicated previously. And we're very well on track of that. Um, and as, as you see from the market share gain in, in London, it plays out pretty well in terms of the overall consumer experience and especially here our logistics um, that is doing very well in terms of the customer proposition. Actually, if you look at the, uh, if, we, if we're doing logistics ourselves in the cities, we are doing actually the logistics ourselves and not through a third party provider. And um, we're actually the fastest in terms of fulfillment time um, better, better than the others, um, uh, and we're monitoring that by, uh, if you do mystery shopping over quite a, a large sample on, over uh, several weeks um, of performance, um, uh, we're actually the, the fastest in terms of fulfillment time ex-London. Now London um, uh, is, is a bit of a special situation because we're actually uh, ramping up um, our logistics there significantly. We're also changing the way how we operate, and that obviously has a little bit of an impact, but we're not talking about large numbers here. So, like, we're, we're very happy and satisfied about the development of um, basically the choice we're providing in addition to our customers, but also the quality of our service and the quality of our delivering is really best in class in the UK. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. One, one other quick one, if I may. You've gone very quiet on iFood and sort of no mention of that in this uh, statement. Can you give us a quick update there? I assume if you've not mentioned it, there's not really a huge amount to say, but it'd be interesting to know either way. No, no, it's still worth a lot of money, and we would welcome uh, any offers for it. Thanks. This is our final question, and it's from Mr. William Woods, Bernstein. Go ahead, sir. Hi there, thank you very much for taking my questions. Uh, two quick ones for me. I'd just like to know a little bit more about the how the demand has trended uh, over the quarter, maybe month on month, and particularly how much can we bake in for uh, the one-off exception of kind of the football impacting that. And then the second question is around delivery in Germany. Obviously, it's still a relatively small proportion. Um, over the next kind of couple of years, do you see the, the need for further investment like we've seen in the UK to, to bring that delivery level up to uh, other other kind of segments. Thanks. Let, let me take that last question. I'll refer the first one to uh, to uh, Dirk. Um, regarding uh, regarding the delivery percentage in uh, in, in, in Germany, it, it's very important to understand that we have signed up all the restaurants or almost all the restaurants. Let, let me let me not get let's call it ninety five percent of the restaurants that are interesting to add to a logistical network. And then that includes all the QSRs, and it includes all the local areas. Um, so there are simply no more restaurants that you can actually add. I'm sure we're missing some, but you know that's, that, that's what it is. Um, we're now at, I believe, 50 cities in Germany in which we've done that. Um, that leads to this share of logistics. This is not different to what we do in Holland. This is not different to what we do in the UK. This is even not different to what we do in Australia and, uh, and Canada. Now, in Australia, a very large proportion of our business is logistics. In Canada, almost the entire business is logistics. 
we are not against logistics and we provide the option to whichever restaurant wants to have it. So that the whole idea that there are more restaurants and that that percentage should be higher, well, sorry, there is no current demand for it in Germany. That's just the fact of life. And if you ask us why isn't that demand there, it has very much connected to the size of the QSRs in Germany. The QSRs in Germany are much weaker than, for instance, in the UK, and certainly much weaker than, than in, in the US. And even a large uh, chain as McDonald's gets far less orders on a personal basis than a UK McDonald's store or even you know, a Dutch McDonald's store. It is, um, it is, in that sense, something that is naturally of this size. Don't forget also that um, companies like Foodora, which is essentially the same thing as Foodpanda, and also Deliveroo, at the peak of their investments, before they left the country, in the case of Foodora, before it was sold to us, they were tiny. They were doing 200,000 orders on a monthly basis. And a lot of that, again, vouchers, right? A lot of that is not actual, you know, actual order because you give people free food. Um, and, you know, those companies were in multiple German cities. Uh, and, and don't forget, you know, Berlin is a bit of a different animal. Most of the volume in, in, in Germany in, in logistics is actually in Berlin. Um, so it's just not a large segment in, in Germany and, uh, you know, we, don't, we feel quite agnostic about it. If it is larger, it is larger. If it is smaller, it is smaller. We don't particularly care. And with regards to the trading, um, we, we see uh, very strong trading across the board. Uh, there is obviously uh, stronger comms, and the markets are opening up. Um, in a lot of countries, uh, the corona measures are uh, uh, ceasing, so uh, that obviously has an impact uh, but we continue to see uh, strong trading despite these uh, strong comps also from from last year. And uh, a lot of this is also caused by our continued investment program. I mean, again, if you look at the UK growth rate, um, even if that wasn't helped by the pandemic, um, this, this is a, even something which goes beyond just the, the tailwind we got from the pandemic. It's really caused by um, also the investment program. And you see that also in, in quite some other markets, uh, especially legacy, just eat markets, which we seem to uh, see have been underinvested in the past, uh, where we actually invest quite a lot of money. Um, but we also see the results uh, of these investments, that they are now growing stronger. And uh, that, that proves our strategy right, and therefore we continue to do that. But overall, we continue to see strong training. Great, thank you. We have no further questions, sir. Please continue. Okay, thanks everybody for uh, attending this, uh, this call, and uh, we hope to see you again with the half-year results or the Investor Day in, in October. Thanks a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the JustEatTakeaway.com trading update. Thank you for your attention. You may now disconnect your line.